Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Today we're reaching back into our archives for conversations about cannabis. Iowa is now surrounded on three sides by states that have recently legalized recreational marijuana. Cannabis in Iowa is illegal for recreational use if classified as marijuana. But listen, it's complicated. Consumable hemp products are legal for consumers to possess and registered retailers to sell in our state. Our state also has a medical program for patients with qualifying debilitating medical conditions. Many Iowans, though, head out of state to border towns to buy cannabis products. Now, back in September of this year, I got a sense of the demand for these products from Iowans by heading east on I-80. After crossing the Mississippi, it was just a 10 or 15 minute drive to a dispensary in Milan, Illinois, called Nature's Treatment of Illinois. Dozens of cars in the parking lot, most of them with Iowa license plates. People going into the dispensary and coming out in a steady stream on this particular Sunday afternoon in September. Now, one of the managers of this dispensary agreed to talk with me. Yeah, so um, I'm Xavier. I'm one of the managers out here at NTI. I've uh, been out here for going to be coming on three years this October. Uh, been a manager for about um, almost six, six months now. Um, worked my way up the chain doing some other, like, lead task within the building with other sort of things and such. You've been working actually since Illinois made recreational cannabis legal. Correct. Um, Start about um, nine months after that. So it was still kind of in the infant stages when I got there. Kind of had it separated just based on certain things. But um, over time, it definitely got more um, synchronized all between, like, the medical recreational side that definitely built more with the rec side in terms of just um, product availability, just information as a whole. You identified it by the um, the acronym, but what is the full name of your dispensary here? Um, NTI stands for Nature's Treatment of Illinois. I see, you know, we're coming here later on a Sunday afternoon. Um, there's a good bit of business here. Is this typical? Um, yes, um, business is pretty t- typical. I would say, I would say um, Fridays um, and Saturdays are usually our busiest days. Um, it kind of j- just depends on traffic. If there's events like locally, we definitely do generate a lot more business. So things like the Blues Fest, um, the festival that was out here in Milan last week, the fair concerts. Uh, really does help generate a lot more customers. You, you definitely see a lot more people from all over and things like that. Being here on the border with Iowa just across the river, you call it a sweet spot. Why is it a sweet spot? Um, obviously, having the airport right here. Um, we have Moline. Yes, uh, the Moline uh, Airport. Um, having having a pretty good highway system with I eighty. Um, I believe this is 280 going down as well. So we definitely generate traffic coming up near from like Chicago and even Iowa from like Iowa City, Des Moines and things like that. So it's always just on the way to wherever someone is 
heading towards, um, which does make us a pretty good location. Illinois has had legal recreational cannabis since 2020, practically when you started here, Xavier. Um, what have you noticed? Because, of course, you know our, our national landscape, state-by-state landscape for recreational cannabis, even though it's outlawed federally, um, has changed a great deal. Missouri has come online um, not too long ago selling recreational cannabis, uh, and more recently than that, Minnesota. In the sort of three years that you've been able to uh, watch here, what what ebbs and flows, what differences have you seen in terms of where people are coming from to get uh, cannabis products from your dispensary? Um, I would say just like main differences I've been seeing with that. Um, nothing's really changed of like who's been coming from where. Um, it's just with these other states open up, it actually does help us in a way because it kind of gravitates and makes it more available overall for cannabis use. Um, as much as being like one of the bigger dispensaries out here, I my main goal that I would like to see is just cannabis everywhere. I would. So, so, so having Minnesota and Missouri uh, uh, sell legal recreational cannabis hasn't hurt your business? No, um, I. I would say we 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 are still doing good business wise as ever. Um, just um, j- just having like closer options for other people as well can definitely just help make the experience for them coming here uh, good as well too. Um, because just having more people visit other dispensaries, kind of see that process going coming to ours, seeing how we work can definitely help us if maybe they have any suggestions to. Um, things that they would like to see improved and um, and other things like that. Um, I just do like to see cannabis as a whole flourish and grow, not only in Illinois, not only in Missouri, not only in Minnesota, but in every state possible. Yeah. And when, a, let's say, an Iowan comes here to buy a cannabis product, recreational cannabis product, what guidelines do you give them what tips do you give them so that they don't get into any legal troubles? So um, with Iowa, obviously they will have a different purchase limit. It's going to be half of in-state. So it's going to be 15 grams of flour, uh, 2.5 grams of cannabis concentrate, which would include um, oils, um, cartridges, um, and then 250 milligrams of edibles. Um, the main thing, just like if you were out of state going to Colorado or California, uh, the main thing you can tell them is just make sure it's... Um, just sealed up, put away. Pretty much, it's pretty much kind of treating it how like you would if you would have bought a bottle of alcohol from this. Don't store. open it. Don't open it until you get home and the things like that. Um, obviously, there is risk with it being a it being a illegal in Iowa, but obviously, our main thing is to just kind of like what you know that kind of treat it like alcohol. Um, in terms of the transportation and such, obviously, what you may do with cannabis out, out outside or anywhere else is nothing that we are aware of. But we do try to let people know kind of like what is what in like the law it is kind of being compared to and kind of being in the same category as. as. Okay, let, let, Xavier, let's take a uh, worst case scenario. An Iowan buys from your dispensary, gets it in the brown paper bag stapled together with a receipt is told do not open this until you get home on the way home is pulled over by an iowa state patrol 
What what is the recourse here? What how would you behave? How should that Iowan behave? Um, obviously just stay calm. I can't really speak on those scenarios myself or really in general. Um, if everything's like sealed and most people would obviously put it in like their trunk and stuff. Obviously it's not going to like reek and smell since, since everything we do is sell here is already pre 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 packaged sealed. Um, so there's no issue in terms of just like leakages smelling. Um, but obviously I can't really speak on that whole outlook that may happen. Um, obviously you can definitely get that going anywhere. Like if you go out to Colorado, Oregon, Washington, Missouri, and you kind of like cross over into another state, you do kind of have to like understand the possible repercussions of that and obviously be aware of that. You know, in Iowa, you know, hemp-based THC can be sold in Iowa. Yes, Um, because hemp-based THC, um, I remember watching like a little like webinar on it. I believe like the number they need to have is like under 0.025, kind of like in that range of like pure THC. Um, Hemp CBDs, I'm pretty mixed on it. I would say it's good if the lab reports are are in good standing and that um, places that are selling it are kind of like um, um, certified and verified. So kind of like kind of like having like CBD dispensary is always good. Um, I was just saying like I hope with that because I, I, I have heard that that CBD hemp product does help people. I'm just hoping it gets to the point where it can be more regulated, a point where like it can be more safe because you buying it from a nice um central business versus you could also get that same product at a gas station which i feel like it shouldn't be like that definitely it should be a little more of a safer option which it can turn people off that because they could see it in a gas station that's kind of like beat up right there and they can see it in a nice shop right there so you kind of are conflicted on if this product is good for you and there's not really too much research or backing or even or even the workers there don't really know too much about it in, in talking to you, Xavier, in the, in the parking lot of your dispensary here in Illinois, I get a real sense again and again that you're you're interested in the well-being of people and how cannabis can help people. I guess I'm interested in whether it's helped you personally. Yes, um, cannabis does help me. I've been a medical patient for the last two years. Um, you can definitely look at the list of like qualifying. Um, um, things to get a medical card, and you might be like, "Well, I don't have any of these things." But it's always more than that. Um, if you have migraines from time to time, help with your help with your um, depression, anxiety. Um, we will have like topicals for like issues with like your legs, arthritis. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's plenty of different um, plenty of different um, issues that people have that may think it's not a big deal that cannabis can do wonders right and and feel feel free to decline but i want to ask you know if you can tell us more specifically how it's helped you what condition you had what that it's helped um i definitely have had some issues with like anxiety depression kind of focusing as well um just what the 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 main thing i like to do is i like to research the strains itself so i don't really tend to look at the percentage of it i know that's kind of like a big gripe with people because they think it's kind of like kind of like how alcohol is like the higher it is like the more effect you're gonna get from it and which 
in case like it could it could be the case um i would say my main thing i like to look at is the cannabinoid properties of all the terpene properties so like different cannabinoids like cbc which can help with like focus um cbg can help with like focus and like nausea as well so like um if you have like crohn's or ibs um having products with like cbg can really kind of help um minimize those troubles that you are having um things with like terpenes um things with um things with linoleum will kind of help you with sleep uh myrcene will help you with pain uh limonene can definitely give you more of an energized effect to like kind of like get people off who are on like opioids like xanax um percocets as well like kind of getting that different um and more safer in my opinion option um than what opioids are and then even if like you're a constant caffeine drinker uh we definitely do have like energizing products that can kind of like substitute that so you aren't like getting like that crash and such while recognizing that also on our program we've had you know doctors who study this and research this that there are benefits to cannabis Uh, there are a lot of substances in cannabis and a lot to be discovered about cannabis yet while there are benefits there are also downsides um, of of people um, becoming um, addicted to it dependent on it yeah um do you recognize that side of it as well yes um i would say like everything research on both sides is definitely ongoing I would say we definitely wouldn't see long-term effects by just, like, for maybe some time once it comes to legalized. Obviously, people have been smoking for decades, but we obviously weren't pinpointing those long-term effects or even, like, taking note of it because the way it was being scheduled as a a drug um, in terms of that, um, I would say it's obviously, obviously just like anything else. Obviously, make sure you use it in moderation. If you feel like you're dependent on it, um, tolerance breaks can also help. Adding some more CBD mixing in with the THC is really good. It can kind of help stop kind of like that, um, kind of like the term greening out is where like you would take too much cannabis and you kind of just feel awful. Um, CBD can help with that. So having like a good mix and overall just Getting knowledge of what like what you want from cannabis is always the biggest thing. Okay, in the time that we've spoken here, Xavier, um, you know, I would say dozens of people have passed us driving or walking into your dispensary. Many of them, Iowans. So you you have a thriving business here. Uh, of course, we take pride in and um, everyone that we help. Uh, we uh, we are very thankful of everyone who comes by. Um, no matter what, there's someone always in the door, and we are always willing to help that. My conversation from September of this year with Xavier, a manager of a cannabis dispensary in Milan, Illinois. Coming up, also from our archives, two different perspectives on how the law should treat marijuana. That's when we return. It's River to River from IPR News. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Can we heal the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. 
Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Today, different perspectives on cannabis and the law from our archives. National polling suggests that most Americans think marijuana should be legal in some form. But statewide surveys show mixed support. Back in November of 2022, we heard from Joe Bolcom, who was an Iowa state senator at the time. Bolcom has advocated for marijuana legalization for the past decade, primarily for medical use, but introduced a bill to institute a retail marijuana program back in 2019. We also heard in this conversation from Peter Komendowski, executive director of the Partnership for a Healthy Iowa. At the time of this conversation, the Partnership for a Healthy Iowa was launching a statewide campaign to reverse normalization of youth marijuana consumption. The organization continues its drug-free Iowa program, as well as providing education on alcohol consumption and nicotine use. Peter Komandowski is with us. He's the executive director of the Partnership for a Healthy Iowa. Peter, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Ben. Senator Joe Bolcom is with us, a state senator uh, from Iowa City, a Democrat. Uh, Senator Bolcom, welcome to you. Good afternoon. Uh, let's start with you, Peter, uh, because you are spearheading this call for a statewide campaign. Outline the campaign you think is needed and its goals. Well, oh, primarily you know, the, the success of industries that bet on products that induce addiction, alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana, um, is easily overwhelms people. You know, they're not dealing with science. They're basically spreading an advertising message that benefits their goals, which is to sell these products. And we think that most Iowans are underinformed as to the risks and that often manipulated in terms of the reality of the risks that we see in research. Um, and so obviously if people are thinking about what they're hearing from advertising, the primary messages, they're likely to say, well, this is what I'm hearing and this is what I agree with. We want to make sure that all Iowans get a chance to learn what the risks are and what the precautions we need to take are to protect our youth. Mm -hmm. I understand you, you publicly shared your background here. How does, do your personal experiences make you a good spokesperson? Well, you know, I work with a lot of researchers around the country and we try to look at states that have gone down this road and you know, working with doctors, Ken Finn, Christine Miller, and other professionals around the state to see what the consequences were. Um, and they used to call them unintended consequences, but now we're pretty clear that these consequences are a reality and everybody is aware of them a priori. And in, in, in fact, you know, most people in the marijuana industry don't care about the consequences. They tend to tout all the claims that they make. Um, I think that my personal experience would say that the marijuana that we experienced in the 70s and 80s, we would consider rather innocuous now, which is uh, 2 or 3% THC. But the movement nationally for legalization is very high-potency THC products, which are highly addictive, huge problems for our society, for public health, and even greater problems because of the normalization of attitudes towards marijuana, of, of giving kids the indication that using these substances might be safe. And mm -hmm. that is where the big falling out is between us and any discussion about marijuana legalization. There are not enough safeguards to protect our children from these risks, and, and we insist that we look closely not at just what marijuana might be able to do through traditional FDA and doctor therapeutic alliance relationships, 
but also what risks we need to manage so that these things do not turn into an epidemic like opioids or anything else. Because we see very, very sympathetic correlations between what happened with the opioid epidemic and what, what's going on with marijuana. And, and you can't compare them head to head. It's apples to oranges. But you can look at human behavior and the potential to influence a whole new segment of an addicted society that's going to suffer huge public health risks. Okay. And they're going to fall not only at the expense of the individual, but also at public health. Give us some more details. What are you proposing in this new statewide campaign? Raising awareness, how do you propose to uh, you know, protect uh, youth from the hazards that you see? Well, we work with youth groups and schools and around the state, work with educators and, and, and prevention people throughout the state. And what we're seeing clearly is that the message has not gotten out that these risks are a clear and present danger to our youth and future generations, and that we don't have enough invested in protecting them from simple things even, like advertising and these analogs that create gummy bear THC products and vapable products, which are now exploding. You know, we are not implementing enough safeguards to protect our children from these products, and I think once Iowans understand the risk, they'll, we'll see a rapid change from support for this kind of legalization to a much more conservative approach to saying, let's see what the FDA does with approval. Let's do more research. Let's learn more before we expose our children to the risks and make them guinea pigs. Okay. Let's go to Senator Joe Bolk, I'm a Democrat uh, from Iowa City. Uh, Senator, you've been active in this area for many years. We followed you on this program um, uh, in those efforts uh, with some of your colleagues. Uh, first of all, just to make sure Listeners are aware, how do you describe yourself in relation to cannabis and the law, the types of changes you've been advocating? Uh, you're a longtime advocate for, for legalizing recreational use, correct? Well, most of my work has actually been focused on the issue of pro providing medical cannabis for people with chronic conditions. And for the last half a dozen years, Iowa has moved to establish a program uh, that's been effective in trying to provide um, cannabis to people with chronic chronic conditions. Most of the people on the program actually suffer from really severe pain. And so I've worked on that, but over the last couple of years have turned my attention to ending marijuana prohibition uh, in Iowa. And it's ending across the country because it's been a costly failure. The pr criminal prosecution of people for using and p possessing marijuana is destroyed countless families, thrown thousands of children into poverty in our state, raised our property tax, made our workforce shortage worse, made our kids and communities less safe, and uh, it also unfairly targets black and brown Iowans. And it's time that we reform our laws with sensible drug reform. It's happening all over the country. And the way to do that is to regulate cannabis like we regulate alcohol and bring it out of the back alley, control and test it, regulate who, how, and when it can be sold. We can create thousands of jobs, create some new state and local revenue to actually fund substance abuse prevention and treatment and fund support for our children's mental health system. Senator, how do we legalize it along the lines you just described without adding to youth use and the, the risk, if you agree with the risks outlined by Peter, uh, to our youth? Well, let's, we, we agree on one thing here, Peter and I, that we should have zero tolerance for teens and minors using cannabis, uh, nicotine, alcohol, and other drugs. We should basically say uh, that's out of bounds. We want every young person to get a healthy start in life, and they should not be using 
alcohol, marijuana, or other illicit drugs as their brains develop, period. And I think we all agree on that. I would also suggest, though, that study after study that's been conducted uh, in states where we've seen marijuana policy reform, we see uh, it has not been linked to increased rates of marijuana use among teens. There's a whole host of studies looking at these states, and we've seen essentially no increase in in teen usage. Uh, I could go into details if I need to and be happy to. I'd say look at Iowa's medical cannabis program. It's, it's been well-regulated, very controlled, and we don't see increased use in Iowa as a result of us having a medical cannabis program that serves the needs of chronically Ill Iowa. Senator Bochum, we, we all agree it's also not that, you know, if, since it's illegal in Iowa, it's not that youth are not getting a hold of, of marijuana and have for, for generations here. But do go into a, a couple of the details uh, that you mentioned um, uh, that perhaps don't match up with the, the, the data that, that Peter has, and we'll have a chance for him to react, and we'll go to a few callers. The journal in 2019, the Journal of the American Medical Association, published a a major report analyzing federal data that is contributed by more than a million high school students about their practices and use. And the researchers basically found no significant associations between the enactment of these adult use uh, legislation laws like we've proposed in Iowa and marijuana use among high school uh, students. It also looked at medical cannabis laws and concluded that there's no impact on youth marijuana use. There's another study, a meta-analysis of 55 academic papers uh, that was published in the journal Current Addiction Reports in September of 2018, and they also found no increase, essentially, in rates of use among adolescents. Right. Does that make sense? Why why wouldn't it go up if if you have a change in, in access legalizing? Well, I think it's already available to young people. Uh, most young people in high school and you know they know they know where they can get marijuana now uh, so they're mm-hmm. they're for those kids that want us uh, have access to marijuana they already get it so when it comes on the market in these states we, I'm just the the data suggests that we haven't seen what Peter would suggest would be you know all, all these kids going out and in, in smoking marijuana. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's data that, that supports that. So while it might seem like kids are going to find their way to it, they're just, it's just not happening. After a short break, more of my conversation with then-State Senator Joe Bolcom and Peter Komandowski of the organization Partnership for a Healthy Iowa. It's an archive edition of River to River from IPR News. heal the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Well, let's get back to more highlights from a conversation I had back in November of 2022 about the changing legal landscape when it comes to the sale of marijuana. My guests were then-State Senator and Advocate for Marijuana Legalization, Joe Bolcom, and Peter Komandowski of the organization Partnership for a Healthy Iowa. 
At the time, Partnership for Healthy Iowa was launching a statewide campaign to reverse normalization of youth marijuana advocacy. The organization continues its drug-free Iowa program, as well as providing education on alcohol consumption and nicotine use. At this point in the conversation, Peter Kowandowski's response to former Senator Bolcom's claims that youth marijuana use does not increase in states when legalized. I'd like to say that, yeah, we agree kids shouldn't use it, and Senator Bolcom recommends that we treat it like alcohol, which has been a disaster. Access, youth access to alcohol, the, 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 the actual, the, almost racist efforts to put more alcohol distribution centers in areas where people are impoverished and where there are people of color. This is sheer exploitation. The alcohol industry has been a disaster at managing youth access. And the last thing we want to do is mimic that with marijuana. And, and when we look at the research that we see, and there's wonderful organizations out there headed by Dr. Ken Finn in Colorado, Christine Miller with Smart Approaches to Marijuana, Dr. Ed Gogek who wrote Marijuana Debunked, I mean, I would say that we put the professionals in the room with contemporary research. We might be able to enlighten Senator Bolcom of the fact that his research is not the bulk of research in support of it. As a matter of fact, he's sadly misinformed from our point of view. We want to make sure that Iowans get that other point of view. What about Senator Bolcom's point that criminalizing marijuana over the past decades has uh, really impacted many groups uh, more than others and and really um, um, given problems to, to, to people just because of the criminalization of it, where otherwise they would not have to carry this uh, burden of a, of a conviction? I was with the gentleman from Smart Approaches to Marijuana, a black gentleman from Washington, D.C. yesterday, Will, and he is a staunch advocate of the fact that it's not the drugs that have penalized minorities in America. It's systemic racism. And when we, when we found in, if we look at marijuana distributorships in states where they have legalized, they target minority populations and make the problem worse. And research clearly shows that there's a correlation in states where medical and legal marijuana has been approved, there's a huge increase in the use by kids. The difference is this, is that this is emerging research. This is stuff that's happened in the last couple of years. It's very much like what we saw with the opioid epidemic, where 18 years ago we saw the signs, like we see the signs about marijuana now, but we had to wait for physical casualties before we acted. If we wait before we act to protect our children now and we emulate even a little bit of the way alcohol is managed, our children are hugely at risk. And what we recommend is that we're much more conservative about our approaches and look clearly at what's been the failures of the alcohol programs to protect our children better if we are going to try to legalize marijuana. Gentlemen, this conversation has lit up our phones. I want to get to for quick um, uh, quick remarks from our callers, but I feel, Senator Bolcom, uh, you deserve a response to what Peter just said. Quickly, please. Well, again, study after study has concluded that marijuana policy reforms are not linked to an increase in marijuana use by teens. I'm not going to defend alcohol. I mean, we have a serious problem with alcohol. It's the number one cause of preventable death in, in the United States. We've seen a 26% increase in alcohol deaths here in Iowa. 836 people died last year from alcohol. I would say that when we compare alcohol to marijuana, uh, marijuana is less toxic. It's less addictive and it's less deadly than alcohol. And for some Iowans, they would like to have uh, a, a substance that lets them relax and enjoy things and not have the risk that alcohol essentially provides to them. 
So I think, you know, this is, as we talk about this, is for adult use, 21 years of age and older, and letting adults make a decision about uh, the risk-benefit of these various substances. Okay, let's go quickly to our callers in the five or so minutes we have remaining. Luke is in Des Moines. Uh, what's your quick uh, comment on our conversation, your take, Luke? Yeah, I, I really do think that this issue is a, a racial justice issue. Um, I'm a white professional. I've, I've been a daily cannabis user for a good 12 years, and I've never had any sort of interaction with law enforcement around my cannabis use. We know that I was one of the worst states in the nation um, for racial disparities in our criminal justice system. And so to me, this really is a racial justice issue and should be the center of all the debates around cannabis legalization. Luke in Des Moines, thank you very much. Uh, let's also take another caller from Des Moines. Laura, welcome to our program. Hi, thank you. Um, I, I just want to push back on the state advocate that marijuana is highly addictive, and that's simply not true. And it's very, I'm very disappointed that he would say that. We've got a major problem with alcohol in this state. We all know that I was like number one statistically in the uptick of alcoholism and abuse, and that includes our kids. Um, kids are already getting marijuana. Along with legalization comes a lot more regulation and a lot more money. So I guess I just want folks to remember that it is for people 21 and over. It's for adults. And let's not get distracted by lies. Because frankly, this administration is full of them. And I'm sick of it. Laura in Des Moines. Let's go to Randy across the Mississippi in Moline in Illinois, where recreational use of cannabis is legal. Randy, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm just going to make this really quick. Um, I just want to say that I feel like in Iowa, and as someone who grew, um, grew up in Wisconsin, I feel that this is very much a culture, you know, a culture thing. Um, you know, Iowa, you know, it's like the good old boy thing. It's like we can drink, you know, but you, but, but you can't smoke pot, you know. And just to echo what that lady just said, you know, the addictiveness, it's, yeah, that is just a complete lie. And we could really be doing a lot better in our, you know, in Iowa and in the country. And with that, I think I'm going to go get stoned. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Randy joining <laughs> us from Moline. Martha, welcome in uh, Washington County, back on uh, on Iowa turf. Uh, hi, Martha. Hi. Yes, go ahead. Well, what is your take on our conversation today? Um, I come from a family of alcoholics, and I've been sober um, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to forget. I've been sober 34 years now, completely Con sober. Congratulations. And, yeah, and I actually did quit drinking alcohol about six months earlier than that, but I took it upon myself to smoke some pot, which I considered a pretty Mickey Mouse drug compared to alcohol, and I did that on June 1st. 88. And so I just consider my sobriety date June 1st. I just figure I still don't. So with your background, we're running out of time, Martha. With your background, what is your take on the debate that you're hearing uh, between our two guests and, and our listeners? Protecting the youth. All I can say is I go to AA's. I still go to AA, been sober 34 years, and 
as far as I know, maybe there's people at AA that are doing other things besides alcohol. But I know for me, it behooves me to stay away from all mood-altering chemicals. Okay, Martha in Washington County, thank you so much. We're running out of time. I want to give our guests a, uh, um, a, a chance to, to, to finish up with any, tie up any loose ends. Uh, Peter, you've been hearing the comments there. Uh, please comment uh, on where you want to take this campaign uh, what we can expect from you and the Partnership for Healthy Iowa uh, in this vein in the coming weeks and months. Well, the campaign, which is also partially authored by youth involvement based on the risks they see and their distrust of the adult population that wants to legalize things regardless of what, what how they might affect the youth mind, um, I really think our campaign is going to be based on truth and, and get out the right research and get away from all these promotional tools that say it's innocuous and won't hurt you because marijuana is dangerous and high-potency wow. marijuana is highly addictive and its relationships to violence, psychoses, psychotic breaks, and schizophrenia are well-documented and far too grave a risk to expose to adult Iowans, let alone our children. Where will your funding come from, Peter? We're generally privately funded from donations, and then we encourage anybody that's interested in hearing the truth to join us on that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't know what the future holds with legalization or, or medicalization of marijuana, but we do like the therapeutic alliance with medical doctors, not marijuana doctors, and we do like FDA approval to keep our citizenry safe, and we'd like to see protocols like that enforced before we legalize things um, just because people want them to be legal. I'd hate to think that every evil on the face of the earth could then have a referendum so the world just becomes what everybody wants and not necessarily what experts and professionals determine is safest. You know, we live in a world with stop signs and, and speed limits. Maybe we need them with marijuana, too. Okay, Senator Bolcom, the last word to you. We have about a minute. Well, under prohibition, uh, our kids are at serious risk, um, and you can't regulate something effectively if it's prohibited. And so it's time to end prohibition. In the last year, almost 5,000 Iowans were convicted of marijuana possession. It's resulted in our property tax bills going through the roof to pay for it. Um, It's time for Republicans who run the General Assembly and Governor Reynolds to get off, to stop the Christian mortality police and, and, and make, open up the debate on this conversation about regulating uh, cannabis like alcohol. It's time to have a conversation about this and put together a, 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 an effort to manage the risk and t- take care of our kids and make sure our kids are safe. Very quick, uh, Lee, State Senator Bolcom, why is Iowa not following all the other states? We could have over 20 here after these referendums. Why is Iowa not following suit with many other Midwestern states? Well, I think it, you, the earlier caller from the Quad Cities had it, right? I think it's a cultural thing. I, you, you'll, you'll have to ask Governor Reynolds, who's opposed, and the, and the 92 members of the Iowa General Assembly, who are currently are Republicans. And that was a conversation aired for the first time in November of 2022. My guests were Peter Komandowski, Executive Director of the organization Partnership for a Healthy Iowa, and then-State Senator Joe Bolcom of Iowa City. Bolcom did not run for re-election in November of 2022. Today's Encore program was edited by Danny Gear. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us. And remember, contributing to IPR is the key to keeping conversations like this one on the air.